0: This episode of Nerd Cognito is brought to you by our friends at the Red Room. Hey, you know the Red Room. Miguel and Sylvia, authors and designers of the entire Wretched and wretched verse series of role-playing game. And most successful new designers coming out of the OSR for a very, very long time. And their products are top-notch. We've reviewed a bunch of them on the show. And we cannot recommend them with more high regard. I really think you should check out their Wretched Core RPG. That is the revised Wretched Rules that is going to bring together the entire Wretchedverse. It's spectacularly produced, it's affordable, and it is a great system that you can bring to your table. You can pick it up at Big Geek Emporium or Giant Slayer Games, or better yet, you can go to their website, which is The Red Room, only backwards, right? Right. M O O R D E R E H T.com and pick it up direct from them. You can't pick it up from drive through cause well, you know, they got banned from drive through Uh, they've always supported us since day one on the show. So you should support them again, go to their website. M O O R D E R E H T.com and check out anything wretched. We know that you are going to love it now. On with the show. Hey, 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 everybody. It is me, Ryan David. Welcome. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Nerd Cognito. It's been a really fun week. We had a good time on the speakeasy. Lots of interesting stuff going on in the nerdosphere. And we're here to talk about it with you. So I couldn't do it without my co-hosts and friends. Let me bring in and welcome Bert. Hey, Bert. Hey, Ryan. How's it going this week? Pretty good. Pretty good. I'm much, much rejuvenated from the shell of a human being that I was last week. And uh, the other co-host, Kyle, already knows that because we had an excellent speakeasy yesterday. What's going on, Kyle? What's going on? Oh, nothing. How are you? I, uh, I'm just, you know, thinking back to the speakeasy from a few days ago and holy cow, we had a run in from Bert. We had a run in from someone that is on my Mount Rushmore of, I don't want to use the word, you you know, I don't want to use the word, but I'm going to use the word OSR influencers. Uh, dungeon Delver himself said, Hey guys live in the chat during the speak. Throw me a link. I want to talk. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm cool. never going to say no to Delver. So uh no. speakeasy went long, but it was awesome. We got to hear yeah. from the horse's mouth all about the different artists that really were in from the foundation level of TSR and Dungeons and Dragons and the experiences that Delver had with them. So, uh, Bill, we can't thank you enough for stopping in and supporting us, especially in the infancy stage of our YouTube channel. Uh, those of you that are listening right now, in case you've been living under a rock, we finally did make the jump to YouTube and you got to check it out. We have lots of listeners to the podcast every week, but we're just building our audience on YouTube. Uh, of course, you can find us at youtube.com slash at nerdcognito And, uh, Tune in, join us, pop in the chat, interact with us every Saturday at five for the speakeasy. And there's also archives of this show there. And uh, we're kicking around the idea of some specials. So who knows what's going to show up on the Nerd Cognito YouTube channel. Kyle, what do you think of, of our Delver impromptu, unplanned experience?
1: We, we got besieged, man. He, just, he charged He charged the gates and we had to open the doors.
0: Right, right. Because he would have just busted them down either way. And (laughs) I'm happy to have him in our town.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I I am too. Uh, I love Delver and I always learn so much. You know, it's like I've been playing forever. I started in 79. I know quite a bit about the game. This guy's forgotten more than I'll ever know.
0: Oh, absolutely. Uh, He was telling us, Bert, about uh, the plethora of folks that he knew from the development of the game and that he had a chance to interact with and talk to and interview and become friends with. And, um, you know, some of the, the core artists that were there at the beginning when Dungeons and Dragons was in its infancy, we got to hear crazy stories about how that came to be. And it it was just fascinating. I loved it. I loved it. So if you haven't tuned into The Speak yet, go to YouTube and check it out. This week's Speak is one for the record books.
1: Yeah. A little long, little long, but
0: worth it. Well, we did go long, right? He yeah. Bill said about two-thirds of the way through the show, hey, shoot me a link. <laughs> and then we yeah. had a whole other show after that, and it, it was spectacular. <laughs> uh, this week on The Big Show, we're going to be talking about, well... <sighs> a topic that we've dodged for the last three weeks. You know, the controversy carousel of the tabletop role-playing world always comes back to the same topics. And there comes a point where I stand back and say, I've got nothing more to say about this. But it keeps going, and we keep getting hit from our fans and our listeners saying, why are you not saying something about this? And then it gets compounded by, you know, Wizards of the Coast doing absolutely stupid shit. And we have to talk about it. So we're going to open the show and talk about, oh, here we go. Safety tools. And now... favorite topic. I know, right? But it's got a twist, Bert. It does. It, It has a very unique twist. Wizards is now saying that they are going to provide official guidance for dungeon masters that if you do something to a player you know oh something horrible happens the player ran off a cliff you now have to have their consent to kill the character the player taunted the level 19 mage And got polymorphed into a newt. A newt? Yes, a newt. (laughs) You have to have (laughs) consent. You have to have consent for that first. Well, I got better. I I swear, I swear, there is an entire and a large entire segment of this hobby that is standing on its fucking head and telling the world that it's upside down. We're going to talk about that first. Then we have some news. And then after the news, we are going to take a look at the different dynamics between veteran players and brand-new green players and how just that experience factor can affect your table or your GM style. Sounds like a pretty interesting show, don't you think, boys? Uh-huh. uh-huh. Makes sense to me. <laughs> uh-huh. I... Kyle. All right. Yeah? L- let's do this a little differently. Everybody knows where we stand on safety tools, which is they don't yeah. fucking belong in this game. <laughs> um, pretty much. The reality of it is the world has gone soft. And when I say the world, it's obviously not the folks that are tuning into our show and buying the products from us and our friends that are created to at least replicate the feeling that we had when we were coming up in the hobby, if not directly reproduce it. We're talking about they, them, my favorite group of people. <laughs> but we have to remember that this group of folks isn't just a loudmouth group anymore. They have infiltrated the industry from the top down. So we are seeing this ridiculous small segment with loud voices having huge influence. So instead of going down through safety tools, because we could just we could just laundry list them in 30 seconds and that wouldn't be a segment. OK, uh, consent checklist, uh, X cards, uh, prayer agency. They've co-opted uh-huh. that term, by the way, because I did believe before agency took on this life of its own that everybody should have some form of agency. Yeah. Um, I don't want to laundry list the stuff. I'm going to put you in a weird position. <laughs> you're ready to assume the position kyle <laughs> you have to gun to your head implement one form of safety tools at your table what do you choose to implement and why and then there was well, silence yeah now you stumped me <laughs> <laughs> and I, I have to choose one. Okay, I, right? Um, right? You're, you know, they they've ransomed your firstborn. You have to put <laughs> one into your table.
1: Session zero, and here's why. Is because that a
0: safety tool though? Because we still use it. We just don't call it that.
1: Well, I mean, it. I thought it was.
0: All right, I'm 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 I'm, know, not,
2: I'm I'm gonna zip it. Go ahead. Yeah, no,
0: I I would agree with Kyle that session zero is a safety tool. All right, all right. Talk to me about session zero and why you're putting it into your table. Because
1: session zero, uh, if 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 I have to choose one, and I, and I don't get me wrong, I I don't generally do session zeros not as their of in the modern day
0: right we have a different interpretation of session zero
1: yeah it's a discussion it's like hey we're going to run swords and sorcery setting you know blah 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 that kind of thing this is different um but but if i have to use one of theirs i'm going to use session zero because at that point i can bet everybody and if i and if i don't like the direction that things are going you know then i cancel the game or i boot players or I change stuff or, or whatever it gives, it, it, it gives me the power to not be subject to the whims of someone who might be overly sensitive to things.
0: You're sensitive. <laughs> Now, is it really overly sensitive or is it egomaniacal? Because I tend to think that it's the latter. It is. I was, I was being diplomatic, but go ahead. Uh, I'm not going to (laughs) be diplomatic. It is a way for a beta or possibly lower human being (laughs) to flex their muscles, get their way, and stroke their ego. I, Mm -hmm. because I am offended, I get to control what happens at this table. You can't do that because I i said so i don't know (laughs) i I
2: would have to disagree with you there right i know go ahead bert (laughs) i mean everybody has you know subjects that they are upset by or things that they don't want to have to deal with you know gaming is a chance to have fun with your friends and some people don't want to mix certain things into their fun and that is perfectly acceptable. That's why I think session 0 is one of the great tools. You give them an overview of the world cuz you're not going to tell them everything that's coming up in the game. But as long as they have a clear understanding of what the world is going to be like, if you're if you run a darker setting, you want to make sure that they know up front that, you know, this is a dark world and if they're not going to be comfortable there, it gives people who are
0: going to be offended by that the chance to bow out. But they don't want to bow out, Bert. They want to manipulate the session to match their needs, right? They no, want- no,
2: you said implementing one safety tool. Okay. I didn't say uh, I, you, you we implemented one safety tool. The way you're talking about
0: it would be implementing all the safety tools. okay. So it gives clear communication of expectations. I'm on board Correct. with that 100% because that's what normal, functional adult human beings do, right? Um, <clears throat> so what what's your safety tool, Bert, if you're going to implement? We got session zero. What are you going to throw at your table?
2: I, I always do a session zero for all of my games. You know, I'm like, okay, well, this world is like this. You know, you're struggling to survive. You may see you know, some dark and seedy elements of humanity. You may see, you know, any and all of the following crap coming up in the campaign. You know, if you still want to be in it, great, you know, but I want to set clear expectations that you guys are, you know, going into a gritty world. Same thing with, you know, I played all sorts of systems and all sorts of games. You know, there are just as many people who don't want to get into a silly game as there are who don't want to get into a, you know, a dark and serious game. I'm sure if I was playing, you know, the DuckTales role-playing game and I sat you and Kyle down and said, this is the cartoon world that we're going to
0: be inhabiting, you guys right away would be like, I don't think I want to do that. I would play it. I'm going to say right now on record, and I think you know that that's my answer, Bert, right? I would play it and I would embrace it if I knew that that's what we were doing. I also know that that's not, you know, representative of our core style. It would be more of an right. escape.
2: Right. It'd be more of a one off because that's not something we'd play on the regular. But Kyle. I, I sure could see Kyle playing a, you know, a game with cartoon physics and, you know, no death and, you know.
0: I'm dropping with that.
2: on your head. You're, you're gonna
1: Look, I, I like cartoons as much as anybody, and if I'm if I'm gonna play a, a cartoon style game, I'm gonna go back to the old days and play Tune.
0: Well, Tune if, is you know, great.
1: If, if, anybody, if anybody remembers that one,
0: uh, I, uh, I, do I have a copy Tune. of it on the game. shelf behind me. Great game. Yeah, Tune is spectacular, but, but it also but it doesn't a, have the connotations that today's. cartoon game has right which is which is why i would choose it and
1: (laughs) and it would be and it'd be like a one shot maybe a two shot that'd be it
0: well i think that's what those games are primarily designed for i can't see you running six months two years with that sort of setting. I mean I'm sure I'm sure someone has done it. And please don't we, we, we've been running our, our our cartoon anime hentai waifu game in Cyberpunk Land. I'm sure someone's going to write in that, that's been going on for 4 years. We even take a break after 2 hours everybody <laughs> goes to their own little <laughs> masturbation booth. Um it can happen, I'm sure. Ryan, Ryan, Ryan. I think I'm going to surprise you guys with my choice. I'm going X to use... Cars. No, I'm going to use a consent oh. checklist um, for, for my game. And <laughs> no, don't, don't laugh. I, I will Oh, use, no, because I, I think I know where you're going, but go ahead. I, I think you probably do. But that's going to give me hot-button topics that <laughs> I can insert into a story to create and provoke an emotional or intellectual or instinctual response from my players uh-huh. i then it's know not a
2: safety tool ryan it's a questionnaire on how i can torture you
0: i'm not no, That's no, no, not no, no, a safety no, no. tool i'm not torturing bert you know this you've played in many of my games i'm not out to torture a player but i want to provide that entire rainbow spectrum of feelings And that sometimes includes being uncomfortable. That sometimes includes putting (laughs) your character in a situation where there is not just a mean, old, nasty pork in front of them, right? But there is a mean, old, nasty underlying feeling that makes them think and... In a different way because it provokes emotion it provokes feelings it provokes fear it provokes PTSD it doesn't matter what I'm triggering I'm not going to be triggering it all the time just because I am this sadist
2: using the tool that way you are definitely a sadist you're having people fill out a checklist so you know what makes them uncomfortable specifically for the purpose of including <laughs> it in your game to make them uncomfortable. Specifically that's not a safety tool
0: specifically for the purpose tool. of knowing that if they need their dick smacked, I have the right dick smacking tool. That's all. And you oh wonder
2: God. why I don't fill out any paperwork for your
0: game. <laughs> I don't need paperwork for you birds. <laughs> <laughs> I, i'll just i'll just make you spend three actions <laughs> and then win the game by three points <laughs> this is a little inside This is a little inside we we, we played um one my of our work. our favorite games my father's work uh this week and um there was a, a point in the game where bert and the other fellow that were playing were right up against the the wall so to speak of a barrier that prevented them from taking certain actions and i had the ability to push them beyond the wall so that those actions were locked out unless they spent an action to recover it and it just so happened that the the serendipity of how the game played out i didn't have a better choice Right, I didn't do it to to piss off the other two guys at the table. I did it because uh-huh. at that no, legitimately, Kyle, <laughs> I didn't have a more strategic choice than to do it, and I didn't plan on doing it three times in a row. But it just kept happening. So <laughs> I'm sorry, Bert. <laughs> we we talked about it hey, on a break when it your happened. Strategy, um,
2: your strategy, you won. I mean, it worked.
0: I didn't. I didn't have a better choice at that time. Anyway. It's not as though I did that to trigger you or to trigger Dan, right? I did it because I needed to do it. Th- this consent checklist with these hot button things, I'm not doing it because I enjoy tormenting people. I'm doing it because it would be for the good of the game world. And that that's that's how I look at it. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> maybe i'm wrong it sounds like i'm wrong that's okay uh,
2: I yeah i mean we're discussing safety tools that's not that's not a safety tool that's a uh resource for you to go back to to, to basically provoke players it's what's your safety tool ryan that, that, it's my safety tool
0: i know that, no, that would that's trigger
2: that <laughs> that's my safety uh, again, tool a, a safety tool is something you do to not trigger your players or to Uh, advise or or warn them of what you're doing.
0: Headline, Chicago News Tribune, this is Ryan's safety tool.
2: (laughs) I'm sorry. So headline is, Ryan does not use safety tools. Do not be fooled into filling out his checklist. (laughs) Oh
1: It's, it's, shit. it's, it's like it—it it does kind of seem like Ryan Dasad is writing the OSHA regulations. Oh
0: fuck you both! I'm out of here. It's news time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got—we got some. I actually think we have an interesting news segment this week. Okay. Lots—lots uh, lots of stuff that I think <laughs> we will all appreciate and find highly entertaining. I really don't think I have any groaners. There's no Sparkle Troll headlines. Uh, What the hell happened this week? Well, maybe one. I've got a micro list because our micro list last week was so successful. (laughs) Okay, what do we got? I've got a micro list of games to play at a party that are either Hmm. tabletop or board games. At a party. At a party. At a party. So think about that. If you were to throw one game out, and of course it's fucking list, but if you were to throw a game out for a party, we have a party of, you know, eight couples, 16 people, and we can bust them up into smaller groups or we can play as one. What are you going to bring to that party? Bert? Hmm. I don't know. I
2: mean, the the parties that I go to aren't really conducive to gaming. Like, It's normally like barbecues and movie nights and stuff like that. But I guess if I was going to put a group like that into a party, I would probably choose something that's simple, not a lot of mechanical stuff. Probably something like Werewolf or something like that, where it's actually built for... Uh, a party environment and people who don't have a lot of gaming experience
0: i think werewolf is an excellent choice and it is not on the list <laughs> okay of course it isn't no werewolf's great because you don't need a, a deep understanding of mechanics you just need to know how to have fun and pretend you are someone so excellent excellent party choice not on the list kyle what do you bring to our party
1: well, first of all, I don't know, I don't think I even know 16 people, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and certainly not 16 people that would want to hang out with me, but, um, you know, here's what comes to mind. And I know it's not on the list because almost everyone's forgotten about this Trump, the board game, <laughs> because that'll set, because that'll separate the wheat from the shaft real quick, man.
0: Well, we just pull cool <laughs> out diplomacy then at that point, um, <laughs> not on the list and yeah my well, p- i was
1: i was kind of joking um i would probably do some sort of card game honestly um because you know you, you get people together assuming it's all adults you know everybody's kind of maybe they, they have a, a couple of drinks and everybody's just kind of out to have a good time nothing with a lot of pressure not nothing with a high uh competitive spirit behind it uh, I don't think I'd use Cards Against Humanity, but, you know, I don't know, something something else along those lines, maybe.
0: Fair enough, fair enough. There is a there is a couple of good card games that are on the list, most of which I disagree with, uh, but the one that I do agree with is, is Surrealist Dinner Party, which is a great game. It's easy to learn, and it's got nice arts, and... You can play it quick, so um, it's effectively a card game where you're hosting a party for surrealist artists, and through the mechanics of the uh, of the game, you need to make sure that the artist needs are met so that you can effectively take tricks. Uh, it, it is a good game. It's one of a very limited number of games that are on the list. Um, my party game choice... Bert stole it. I was I was going to pick werewolf, so I have to I have to back it up with something else. And I am going to pick Mysterium for my party huh. game choice. Uh Bert's played Mysterium. Kyle, have you played Mysterium? Nope. It is a darker, more adult version of Dixit with a murder mystery theme, right? Someone okay. was murdered and they come back as a ghost. And they effectively put visions in the other players' heads through uh, use of cards that are exclusively artwork. And the players have to interpret those cards to figure out who the murderer is. Okay, that sounds kind of cool. Yeah, it's, it's a very interesting game. It is on the list. And and that is where the list departs from our sensibilities. They have other things like Trivial Pursuit. My God, I want to hang myself in nineteen eighty-eight. <laughs> Trivial,
2: I, I've played Trivial Pursuit with my friends. It leads to most of the time, it leads to an argument. Right,
0: <laughs> Cards Against Humanity, Spyfall. Uh, I, I, I own Spyfall. It's not bad. It's not bad. Yeah, I mean, Cards Against Humanity can be fun with a party
2: of people who've been drinking, but it does get old after a bit.
0: Pictionary again. Where is my Cosby sweater? Uh, <laughs> the the only other game that I think is a meritorious game, but it would be hard to play with a larger group that's on the list would be Gloom. Gloom. Gloom's a good game. I like Gloom. It's a fun little card game. Yeah. But, um, yeah, they, they have a big list of shit throw throw burrito <laughs> I have, a, I have a buddy
1: of, I have a buddy of mine who uh, he gets he gets uh, people together oh about once or twice a year and they do one of those murder mystery style games kind of similar to what you were talking about but I don't I don't know I've never been to one so I don't know exactly how it works but of course they dress up in the costumes and the whole bit well at that point that sort of thing
0: i think you could easily do one of the exit games too and do like a micro right. escape room at your party right um yeah. neither of those are on the list either <laughs> <So> <laughs> yeah. all of the good ideas are not on the list um it's sad it's sad uh, autumn is coming and with Autumn comes our favorite season, or I'm not going to speak for you guys, my favorite season, which is Spooky Halloween season. Yep. And too. one of my favorite John Carpenter films is getting remade. And I don't know if you guys heard this or not. I did not. Which one are they ruining now? But they this are.
1: New York, I believe.
0: They are remaking Christine. Oh, okay. Yes. And to further your ooh, because you know how we normally feel about remakes, at the helm of the Christine remake is Brian Fuller. Huh. Double ooh. Triple ooh. John Carpenter, quote, thinks Brian Fuller's Christine remake will probably be better than my original. Ooh, now you know John Carpenter, when it comes to press, right? often tells what he knows without being legally liable for saying what he said, <laughs> right? Right, yeah, he, he, he's, uh, he's been the source of many a spoiler. When, yeah. w- when Carpenter is involved in a project, you usually can tell or at least consulted, or at least has a hand in understanding the direction of one of his previous works. And when he doesn't, he outright says that he does not. Right. So um, Carpenter says in regards to the original, quote, I needed a job, frankly. Yeah. He took the movie just because he needed to get paid and it turned out to be one of his greatest cult films that he has made good luck to him referring to fuller it will probably be better i think he's really talented a good person to do it i don't have a negative feeling about people remaking something especially 40 years later christine could be told in a different way and not be an insult to the original. That quote tells me Christine is being told in a different way and it has John Carpenter's blessing.
2: Interesting. That's
1: what it sounds like. Yeah.
0: Time will tell. I did, you know, I did think that the original was, was one of my favorite Carpenter movies outside of the ones that everybody thinks of, you know, yeah, everybody goes to escape from New York and everybody goes to big trouble in little China. Um, When you go to, I guess, what you would call the second string Carpenter films, Christine is up there, even though it does not have Donald Pleasance in it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the thing that I remember that kind
2: of sticks with me about Christine is the like the period and the setting and things like that that comes up in it i'm not sure how that's going to work with a like if they're doing a modern interpretation
0: well that's the thing right they could totally do it justice not shit on the original christine according to not only the movie but the the source book from king lives forever right she's possessed baby um that car could be sitting in a junkyard in present day and that could be today's Christine. And that could be done very well. Brian Fuller on the Woco meter isn't entirely insane yet. He still has tendencies because Hollywood. But I think that there is potential for this film. Uh, what do you think, Kyle? Right, they- Are you going to go see the new Christine?
1: Well, not am not a fan of. Of a lot of King's stuff, to be quite honest, and it's 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 less to do with Carpenter and Fuller than it has to do with King. Um, So I I'm going to reserve judgment. I mean, I'll I'll probably, I'll, I'll, honestly, what I'll do is I will wait and see what everyone else is saying before I make the decision as to whether or not so.
0: <laughs> that's perfectly fair. I don't know. I it's if it's even mildly tolerable. Yeah, based on today's horror standards, it should be good, right? Because yeah, they can't make yeah. a good horror movie today.
1: I'd rather I'd rather just see Carpenter in charge and screw the other guys. But
0: well, it's funny you say that. Next month on Peacock, we get the debut of John Carpenter's Suburban Screams, which is an unscripted horror anthology in a six-episode package Hmm. that tells true tales of terror, right? The trailer dropped for it, and one of the episodes is actually directed and produced by Carpenter himself. Uh, The series explores the secrets and unspeakable evil that lurks beneath regular old suburban streets. And each episode focuses Uh on one tale of terror told by the people who supposedly lived through it. I don't know if you guys watched this, but there was a Netflix show sometime during COVID. Because, you know, those years all blur together, right? Where they were effectively telling ghost stories and they did the reenactment. And it was set up like the victim slash final girl for each tale brought in their friends and they were telling the tale to their friends. Did you guys see that show? I forget what it was called. No, no, no I didn't. didn't. Sounds like an interesting premise though. Hang on, I'm going to look. It's always
2: weird when a a famous uh, famous director gets involved in like an anthology like that. I mean, did you guys see Del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities?
0: Yes. Yes. I haven't watched it yet. I wasn't crazy about most of them.
2: <laughs> they were they were more classic tales just kind of told in a sort of a bizarre way. All right, found it.
0: Um the show I needed to 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 go to the Google machine here. Uh, the show was called Haunted, you know, Real Original. <laughs> oh yeah, sure. Um and, Creative Name. And it was well received for the first couple of episodes, and then people started to go <sighs> This is really overproduced. And it was. And ah, these reactions from these people (laughs) are not good. And then some industry people said, "Ah, I remember seeing this guy at a casting for a Tide commercial. And this guy at a casting for, uh, you know, this and that. And Netflix never admitted it. But it pretty much came out that the whole thing was fucking scripted, which is fine. It's it's show. It's an it's it's a show. It's entertainment, no big deal. But the wind was just sucked right out of the sails for that show. Uh, I remember watching it, and the first couple were good, and then it quickly turned the corner from good to overproduced and hokey. And then when the yeah. news came out that yeah. Odds are this is a scripted television show, a reality-based show. I I lost interest because, let's face it, as humans, we want to believe, right? We we want to think that this shit really (laughs) happens. Uh, I don't know what to expect for this Peacock show, but stay tuned. We'll see. I worry that it's going to be the same as this haunted show.
2: Let me ask you a question. I mean, do you think that for something like that, that they played up the reality show angle so that they could get away with low-budget special effects and sort of poor cinematography? They didn't have to sort of build up that expectation that you get from a fictional horror
0: I don't know. It, movie? it, it, it had, like, this identity crisis because it was half reality show, half documentary, the way that it was it was presented, right? Um so on on both counts, yes, they could do those low budget things, but the reenactments, the the those segments, were actually really well done. They had decent effects. So I don't know. The whole thing's a quandary. Watch a couple episodes of it if you have the big bad red machine, and uh, you know, tell me what you think next time we chat. Haunted, uh, sort of as a precursor aperitif to john carpenter's new horror offering that's coming to the cock next month (laughs) Uh, speaking of the cock (laughs) bert you got some cock when are you going to be caught up on star trek (laughs) oh it's going to be a little while i i finally
2: have paramount now but
0: Kyle, we finally beat him down enough to get Paramount Plus so that he can catch up on his new (laughs) trek.
2: There you go. My my wife actually got it, um, some kind of deal or whatever, but we started watching 1883 because we're both Sam Elliott fans. I don't know when I'll be caught up with uh, star Trek right now. It works a little crazy, but I plan to go back and check some of that stuff out.
0: Yeah. No, and I don't have to, I can't make fun of you anymore for not having a clue about what I'm talking about with the star Trek stuff. <laughs> I, I did force him. Kyle. Uh, was it two seasons ago? I forced you to watch an episode so that we could talk about it on the show. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was, uh, an episode of what brave new world, strange new worlds. Yeah. Strange new worlds. Yeah. Yeah, where they totally took one of the best characters in the entire show, Kyle, and just reached down deep, grabbed a hold of his balls, and cut them off and made the character completely unworthy of any screen time moving forward. And I'm usually very complimentary about New Trek compared to, you know, the screaming caterwauling nerds on the internet. That one pissed me off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I know you're not a huge Star Trek guy, so
1: I'm not I'm not the biggest Star Trek fan, but I mean it's it's typical of Hollywood. They just, you know, they emasculate a lot of the characters.
0: Yeah. They they took everything that was it wasn't just emasculation. They took everything that was interesting about that character that they had built up over episodes and blew the whole load in one show. Isn't it, that crazy? Yeah. It, it made me very, very sad. And then they tried to recover bits and pieces of that character. And I found myself having a hard time getting invested in that character. Uh, the right. doc, for those that didn't hear the old show, it's the Dr. Mbenga character. I thought that the, the setup for his, Whole deal with his daughter was spectacular and in the episode that resolved that it was just a giant explosion all at once that was rushed hurried and hurt the character overall (sighs) last but not least disney our dear friends at disney have issued a statement regarding the Little Ma- the Little Mermaid live-action remake. Oh, boy.
1: Disney says... Enough. What? Took them long enough. I know, right? Think, things been out for six months, hasn't it? Something
0: like that. It's not a huge disappointment, but a disappointment <laughs> non- nonetheless. That was their statement. The Little Mermaid flopped almost as hard as the Dungeons and Dragons movie. The Dungeons and Dragons movie took the whole studio with it. This one, you know, it's backed by the mouse, so it ain't going anywhere. Um, The streaming launch for The Little Mermaid was September 6th. And according to Disney... Although the movie underperformed just a little bit, just a little bit, it drew 16 million views in its first five days. I want to see the metrics on that. How many people tuned in, watched 20 minutes, and tuned out? Right.
1: That's what I was going to say. Yeah. So. But what, what counts as, what counts as a view. Five
0: minutes. Right. Who who knows? And it's Disney Plus. So they control their own numbers. We'll never really know. By comparison, the Lion King made 1.1 billion with a B dollars. Wow. The little mermaid grossed 270 million on a budget of 250. So it did double its budget. But that's a lot of time, effort, and money to get put into this movie. And again, who knows how that calculation is made because it's all behind the Disney gatehouse. So we shall see. We shall see. looks looks like, uh, I don't know. From a PR perspective, they probably did the right thing by not even addressing it, (laughs) you know. fuck you we're not going to address it we're not going to say anything
2: yeah just let it quietly go away
0: right that bitch's eyes are really wide on her head though (laughs) they're closer to her ears than they are to her nose (laughs) anyway that's the news this week oh man well We're in an interesting position, gentlemen. We've been in this hobby and playing games for a long time. And we've had the experience of playing. I know when I started, I was playing with guys that were several years my senior that had tremendous experience compared to me. I was the newbie of that group. I was the dumb doe-eyed kid that knew nothing. And, you know, over the years, I amassed what I like to consider a little bit of knowledge, enough for me to run my big fat mouth once a week about it. Yeah, And now I would consider myself to be a veteran player with a veteran table. But I also have a second group that does not have quite so many veteran players in it. And some of them are bleeding into my Friday night group. You know, Michael 2.0. he's he's he's, he's 23 right he he hasn't been around to play he just got into it with the big rush of the critical role trolls and we're trying to save him kyle i'm trying to save him i'm trying to save him and and it's, it's making progress my other group. Oh, it's true. I talked to him about it this week. My other group, you know, the, the only thing that they play is 5th is edition. And um, I, I I really, I, I can I borrow some of your OSR stuff? I really just want to show it to them and, and show them that this game, it's not all polish and pastels. Like, we can have a really interesting game that has some meat and some teeth in it and some steaks. Like, I'm making progress.
1: Well, that's uh, that's good. That's encouraging,
0: right? And he's willing. Yeah, man. He's playing in Bert's Fallout campaign, right? Okay, he's absolutely willing to play anything that I throw on the table, all the way back to AD and D one E. Cool.
1: So, Sounds like you're doing God's work here, man. <laughs> fuck, I'm going to be <laughs> sainted, right? Someone give
0: me a Gary Award. <laughs> But no, you know, how does the experience factor of the people making up your group impact not only your table, but you as a DM? Kyle, I'm going to punt to you first.
1: Okay, so... I mean, obviously, it's a spectrum. You you can't just say. Oh, some of them are know, on
0: the spectrum. That's for fuck okay. sure. Oh my god, Ryan, I have said Ryan, that word. Ryan.
1: I shouldn't have said that word, but so it, it's not an all or nothing proposition, right? I mean, you you can have completely new players. They've never played an RPG. They don't know the first thing about it. And then you've got the guys who have been around since the seventies and playing. Um, but there, but there's there's space in between. So. But, but when you get right down to it, I guess the experience level, how that, how that affects you as a, as a DM. Um, I think one of the things that's really interesting is that new players who don't have any preconceived notions can maybe... Maybe they'll introduce new ideas, concepts, uh, tactics during combat or something like that, which the experienced player tends to overlook because you know, or, or they haven't really had any experience with before. Um, I, so I think that that could be a good thing. Um, you know, brand new ideas, new, new faces is new ideas. And, you know, if you've been, you know, I've been playing AD&D for 40 years, and this is how you do it, and blah, blah, you know, and then somebody comes in and they come up with some really creative idea, that, that can be a good thing. Um, but at the same time, new players often require a, a lot more hand-holding they're not familiar with the rules they, they it takes them a little bit to get the concept of kind of an open-ended sandbox kind of system where they can do almost anything that they want to do most people are um, nowadays are constrained by the video game mentality of even if you have an an open sandbox style video game there's still rails there you know what i mean
0: Yeah, internally, too. It may not come from the DM. It's going to come from the presentation of the hobby in general. Here is your guide for how to maximize your whatever the fuck kind of lock you're making. You know, Um, I can roast a chicken on a spit warlock. Uh, There's so many ridiculous things out there. But a lot of those new folks see that as normal. Right? Because it's all they've Uh known. It's all they've known. Uh Uh I tend to think that I look at this from an educator's standpoint. I'm putting my principal's hat on for this one. I think that the table as a collective has an experience factor. But the table's only going to be as strong as the weakest link, like any chain. Very cliche, right? But it's true. And to combat that, when I have folks creating characters, learning a new system, dipping their toes in, what I tend to do, and I don't always have to do it because I won't do it with experience tables, but I will do it with tables that, like you said, are mixed or new, is I will take the experienced folks and lean on them to impart their wisdom. So it's not coming from me. Like I have a really big deal. Like I I make this big pronounced thing that we are doing this together. Oh, Ryan, it's okay. We know how to make characters. No, we're making characters at the table and Bert, whether you've known it or you didn't know it, there have been times where I said, you know, you know I've, I've said, well, Bert, can you work with Michael 2.0 and create this character? Remember when sure, I've done yeah, that? Ab- yeah, ab- absolutely. And and I'll do that with other folks at the table or we'll do it as a collective so that they experience and see how the ex- the, the experience, the veteran instincts shape what's happening. And you're right, Kyle. They can bring really interesting and innovative things to the table as long as they feel that their input is valuable, right? Right. They, and and it's not shitting on them. And I tell them, you know, I know you can make a character, but I want you to make a character with Bert. I've said that. when we Our, our last fantasy campaign, I said that to, to one of our new folks. And they're, they're like, okay, because Bert, just having that guidance is a big deal. Bert, what do you think about this? New versus old, wise well, versus novice? Well, I've
2: played at mixed tables. I've played at
0: tables with all
2: new people. One thing that I like about new pa- uh, an all, a table of all newbies, for example, is that they don't they haven't memorized the monster manual, things like that. You can bring classic uh-huh. elements back. Like, if one of us got faced with a troll, metagaming or not, all of us know trolls can only be killed by fire. (laughs) Like, you know, we're going to set that troll on fire. A table of new players will take that troll down and walk away and then wonder why that troll came back. And a lot of times even those, like, simple things that they don't know that they don't know makes for a more interesting game. You can use classic elements and things like that, that are maybe less complex to get them started and still have just as much fun as you would with deeper storylines with guys who've been playing for 20 years.
0: Um, As a dungeon master, does that impact your prep or your thought process? Absolutely. It does.
2: I mean, you know, with older players or people who have a lot of experience in the system, You know, I try to put a lot more of like the lore and the intrigue and the politics and things like that in there. Whereas with new players, they you can go with something a little more simpler because they're still exploring the world. They're not gonna write down everything you say and come back three months later and go, remember when that guy in that bar said this name, you know, three months ago? Whatever happened with that? Why did that storyline never get resolved?
0: And that's when this DM, you say, well, that's because (laughs) even though you're you're completely full of shit.
2: (laughs) Uh, Whereas with new players, they're like still kind of they're still sort of wide eyed babe in the woods when it comes to the world. They're not going to delve into, you know, 40 years worth of D&D history.
1: No. Yeah, the thing about uh, the thing about experienced players is they have experience, right? And right. it puts a it actually puts more of a demand on the DM in, in some in some ways. Um, at the same time, experience usually brings with it preconceived notions, and so you wind up with those uh, sorts of. And kind of like what you were talking about, Bert, you know, with everybody, everybody knows how to kill the troll or, you know, as as an example or whatever. So, um, maybe there's a bit more metagaming involved with experienced players, which I don't necessarily have a huge problem with
0: first. Me either. No. And if you have a character that's not a level one character, it's reasonable to say that, you know, this level eight character knows you have to burn a troll, Right. Um, also you can look at their stats to make those determinations. If you're in a system that has skills, you can look at their skills to make those determinations. Um, right. I, I don't, I don't have so much of a problem with it either. And you know, if it all goes to shit, you have their consent checklist to find out how you can make them <laughs> shit their pants. So, <laughs> Plus um, Unless you did a session zero and then you don't need a consent checklist. Yeah. Uh, consent
2: check this yes. yeah right right uh, you mean
0: Ryan's torture toolbox torture toolbox <laughs> I love that Oh shit! We need to do a 16-page supplement that is nothing but traps and uncomfortable situations, and call it Ryan's Torture Toolbox.
1: Torture Toolbox. Well, we can skin it <laughs>
0: OSR. We can crank that motherfucker out in no time because we don't need a rule set. <laughs> oh,
2: I-, I thought I just came up with the first supplement for Auras. Ryan's Torture Toolbox. Ryan's
0: Torture Toolbox. No, no, no. Auras is bright and shiny. Uh- <laughs> you
1: know what? That's you know what? That's that's not a bad idea.
0: What a torture toolbox!
1: Yeah, yeah no, that's like you. a really, really good idea. It's like you know, remember Grimtooth's traps?
0: That my favorite trap book. Without, a
1: yeah, doubt. um, no, mm. no. A, now you got me thinking, man.
0: Torture toolbox, and yeah. we can have a basic two-column layout. Column one are the torture tools. Column two is narrative from us on how to implement these safety tools. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, shit. Uh, you know who we need ner- to get ner- the ner- narrative, <laughs> <laughs> narrative from you? We can get our checkmark hero to play test the torture toolbox. Right now, our checkmark hero <laughs> is the one, the only Sin. You can follow him on Twitter. X, whatever you want to call it, at Cinnamander, C Y N N A M A N D E R. Sin went to nerdcognito.com, clicked the link at the top that says be a checkmark hero, and sent us eight bucks. And then he sent us eight bucks again. And then he sent us eight bucks again. So Sin has the checkmark hero locked up for a while, but it's an important and limited role. Where for just eight bucks, not only do you get our gratitude and mentions on the shows, but you guarantee that the NerdCognito Twitter account maintains its prestigious blue check mark. <laughs> um, in all seriousness, it is an important role that allows you to at a very low investment level contribute and support the show. And we thank each and every Every one of you that supports the show in any way possible, especially if you become a CheckMar hero. Yes, and you're gonna get a preview copy if and when it ever happens of the torture toolbox. (laughs) 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 Oh boy. Uh My uh, Grell tentacle watch is telling me that it is time to move forward. Grell, by the way, won the Nerd Cognito poll last week for best obscure monster to use. That made me feel really good because it would have been my pick. I've always loved the Grell. It's a strange, strange beast that's that's just really (laughs) fun to throw at players because almost every even experienced player knows what a Grell is but they don't necessarily know the ins and outs to have that subconscious metagaming that we were talking about. So toss some Grell at your party. It'll be a good time. (laughs) After you toss those Grells around, go to X and follow nerd Cognito at nerd Cognito. You can also throw some replies or scathing, scathing comments to me or Kyle. I'm at I hate Ryan, David, you can follow Kyle at dying breed TT and Bert. You just have to send messages to the nerd Cognito email so that I can forward them to him on parchment and send them out with a rider because Bert is not (laughs) available on the social medias. Uh, The last thing that you need to do, please, please, please make sure that your subscriptions are locked in on the podcast provider of your choice for this audio show. And at our new YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at nerdcognito. Yes, you have to do the slash and then the at and then nerdcognito. Um, their new naming convention is really strange on YouTube, but I get why they did it because they wanted to open up unique channel names. A la Rumble. So maybe maybe Rumble is taking a little nibble out of the YouTube market. But either way, you want to follow us that there. If Rumble's more of your jam, you can also find us on Rumble. But that way, you can get the speakeasy and all of our video content, plus you'll get delayed archives of this episode and all of the big show's episodes. So you've done the things. You've followed us on the Twitter machine. You've subscribed on YouTube and at your podcast provider. And if you're so inclined, you've tossed 8 bucks our way for the Checkmark Hero. Oh, boy. That's a big list of stuff to do, guys. Um, <laughs> You're giving everybody homework, Ryan. Uh, well, You're you back know, in school again. Old habits die hard. <laughs> I, I, I guess, know. I guess with that, we better wrap this baby up. My name is Ryan David. Thank you so much for tuning in and doing all of those things. I was joined by Bert and Kyle, and we will all talk at you next week. Be safe out there, everybody. No!
1: I got nothing.